And here we are again for the second time this year where we are talking with Brian Smith and Errol Smith. G'day, gentlemen. G'day, G'day. Now, some unusual things that come up. I, I was looking at the situation of what might happen in the year 2016 in the world of motoring, and I thought it's all very well to just project on what's happened last year, but what about trying to foresee what would be good to happen? And uh, the first thing that came to my mind, wouldn't it be just lovely, wouldn't it be just great if Nissan could produce a good-looking car? <laughs> it's totally different, I know, compared to everything they've got, even down to the Infinity. You know, we road-tested, Errol, you, you had a go of it, the uh, Q80 Infinity the other day. They got a Nissan Patrol and made it uglier. <laughs> The front has a big bulbous nose that someone said it probably resembles a dugong. There's another trend I'd like to see, the summer nats, to have an environmental theme. I just think that would be a good move and reflect well on, on the industry and be positive for the world. Oh, what about a same-sex marriage theme or feminism for summer nats, David? Mm. It's always kind of been uh, focused at the other end of the spectrum. Sobriety? Are you suggesting, Brian, that there should be an equal number of bikini girls versus, you know, scantily clad men? No, or, I don't think anyone or, needs uh, to wear a bikini. They're all, I think they could just uh, encourage some more participation by women as uh, participants rather than objects. Of course, the, the whole show is about cars as objects. So. Yes, that's <laughs> and all that's all fixed on the, fixate on the cars as objects then. Another thing I'd like to see is Ford to be able to sell some small cars. They clearly can't do that at the moment, or just about any cars, although they're Ford Ranger. And now their Everest four-wheel drive looks like it might be doing it. It's the bigger cars. And the, the, must, the Mustang is sold out. They've got some great little cars, but it doesn't seem to work. I'd like to see fuel consumption figures that are actually accurate. Mm, especially from a German make. They're funny, David. They've never been accurate, have they? They're, even the whole uh, city cycle, highway cycle thing was, was always a, an amusing fiction. But I think they could end up with some stars like a, your fridge has, you know, to say how environmentally friendly your car is. David, I'd, I'd like to, say, to see cars being marketed on the practicality and usefulness rather than just the feeling that you get by using it you've only got to look at all of the car ads out there it's all about how the car makes you feel rather than yes, how toyota being the, 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 poster, the poster child for that with oh what a feeling yes, yeah it's yes. all about the feels i think we've got more chance of getting some and that's to be environmentally sensitive or uh, uh, less sexist and i'm going to throw another one out there david i'd like to see a car ad where the car is not going fast that's revolutionary thinking <laughs> speed yeah uh, I've got, uh, you know, fantastic advice for the car industry. You know, why not make your car look fast or go fast in the ad? That's a, a good way to sell a car. I wonder they've not thought of it before. You know what I'd like to see? Less headlights. I don't mind the little strips of LEDs or that, but if you look at the Alfa Romeo 4C sports car, it now has normal sort of headlight, but it's then got four medium-sized lights in a little square. They call it a cube sort of thing now. And to my mind, it looks like it's got a disease. <laughs> now, you see them in Le Mans cars. Pockmarks yeah, made pockmark, from LEDs. Yeah. The Lexus has the Nike Swish in LEDs. And they're, they, okay, I understand that. Probably a little over the top. But these sort of four medium ones on both sides, to my mind, makes it look like that. I, I, another trend, I'd like to see a CVT gearbox that feels natural. 
Okay, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't it does, feel does, like, the, like, like it's slipping. slipping. Yeah, constantly, <laughs> yes. I think I'd like to have a voice-actuated system that works. Is that too much to ask? Uh, so far, it seems to be, yes. <laughs> Every time you call a bank, you get uh, confirmation of that. Each new model doesn't have to have more horsepower. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see stop classifying Corolla-type cars as being small. Mm-hmm. In our category, mm. we, we call them so. I'd like to see people who buy, only buy an SUV if they're going to use it off-road at some time. And only put those big, chunky tyres on if they actually go off-road. I'd like, you know, you can have a car that automatically parks itself. I'd like one that gets you out of a tight spot. Oh, okay, <laughs> yes. They've only done it one way, haven't they? It's like, let's get you into the spot and leave you there. David, I want to see a Chinese-made car that's popular. Well, you'd have to have a Chinese-made car that's good. Yes, yes. Cut cut before the horse, I guess. I'd like to see the hype fading from Tesla. The hype? Yes. Why would you like to see the hype finish for Tesla? I think Tesla's fantastic. You've just condemned religion. I know. It's broken my heart, uh, Errol. I think you're just reinforcing what I'm saying, Brian. I'd like Toyota to make a car that's genuinely exciting and good-looking that hasn't been designed by Subaru. (laughs) And uh, I'd like to see European cars to have reasonable prices given the actual exchange rate rather than the luxury markup they throw on because they can. Uh You know, executives in Germany at Mercedes-Benz refer to Australia as Treasure Island. Uh, Really? (laughs) Of course, the C-Class over there is basically a, that's an everyday car. And an E-Class can be a taxi, you Mm. know, I mean, it's... All right, enough of that. Brian, you have a story. In Texas, they have recently um, put onto the the law books the right to openly carry guns over there, of course, being Texas. uh, There was a long time uh, where they could carry weapons in a concealed way, but now they have a thing called open carry, which means you can just sort of strut around uh, with a gun in a holster on your belt interestingly as part of the rules it's permitted to carry your weapons openly on board public transport so this is metro bus and light rail this was introduced on january the first and it's a little too early to see uh, how things have been happening some concerns have been raised by uh, metro officials and uh, commuters about just how this thing will work so um Apparently, the police chief, Vera Bumpers, great name, says that uh, the light rail and bus operators are being trained not to ask passengers if they have a permit. That's the good way to sweep this whole thing under the, the blanket. But if they notice someone acting suspiciously, they should call Metro Police. I'd like to define acting suspiciously as getting on the bus like Wyatt Earp, you know, with, with a gun on their hip. <laughs> and and uh, the, so while they're actually allowed to openly carry guns on board the buses and trains and within the the sort of uh, ticketing areas, you won't be able to have your weapons at board meetings of the the Metro Authority. It's okay for the passengers, (laughs) apparently, but the board members are a little concerned. So, uh, David, I think um, not something I'd ever like to see in this country, people openly carrying a weapon on board your bus. How would you feel if someone got on with a gun in their holster Uh, onto your uh, bus or train, particularly if they looked a little edgy. Mm. I'd stand up and give them my seat. (laughs) Get off the bus, David. You wouldn't... well, well, in all fairness, you've, got, you've also got to arm the bus driver. Well, yes, yeah, so there's no word about whether the drivers themselves can, um, can also be armed. I, I think their uh, policy is not to arm the drivers there. Hmm. So this is Texas. I'm surprised this wasn't legal already. <laughs> already? It was legal in the 1800s, Errol, when, the, when you got on a coach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
This is a classic what could possibly go wrong story, isn't it? <laughs> it's certainly. I suspect it's about to be. Now, there will be not too many, not too distant future, there'll be some incident involving mm. your uh, law-abiding gun owners uh, shooting yes. each other up on the train. What are your bets on? I mean, there's sort of there's two likely things I see. Is someone who's carrying a, a gun overreacting or someone else taking you know, grabbing someone's gun out of their holster and using it I against think you, them. you discount the main one, which is, I think, mistakes. People dropping them, sitting down, having it mm. fall out of their pocket and going off on the floor, uh, getting mm. stuck in a, you know, a seat or a, something like that. Do you know why Americans have fixations with guns? It's because their early th- farms were ranches where they graze cattle and not farm wheat. Now, stick with me. There's yep. a reason for yep. this. If it's cattle, they're very easy to steal. If they're easy to steal, you get a lot more crime. Crime says you should fight against it. And shooting the guy out in an area where you're not likely to have a police, you go for guns. Whereas if you had gone a lot of wheat, you can't sort of pull up beside there and harvest the wheat. Sort of a drive-by harvesting. (laughs) Now, it goes into all American culture. Can't you just get a wheat wheat dog, David, to just... Heard up the wheat. <laughs> it would really be rustling, wouldn't you, as you move through, <laughs> through the wheat? Well, well rust, rustling has a degree of speed about it. That... <laughs> and, of course, the whole culture then, if you look at all the cowboys, it's all guys out on a rent raising cattle because that creates goodies and baddies. There's also the story of Conrad Hilton, if you read his autobiography, his uh, father was a, a big fish in a small pond. He ran the town out in the middle of New Mexico in America. One day, a friend came into his saloon that he owned, and so there was Conrad Hilton. The guy was arguing with him and waving a gun in front of him. And afterwards, they said to Conrad, of uh, Conrad's father, you need to get a gun. And he said, no, if both of us had a gun, one of us would be dead. <laughs> now, Errol, you have a story. David, we don't often associate troubles in the Middle East with anything motoring-related, perhaps oil prices, but apparently the Arab Spring uprising has a lot to do with parking metres, uh, at least if you're in Victoria. A council meeting about recently installed paid parking at Yarraville Village erupted in a brawl with councillors being punched and knocked to the ground and chairs thrown. An activist told media, and I quote, We applaud the people in the Arab Spring standing up and saying this is not right. But when it happens in Yarraville, people say say that we are yuppies. (laughs) They'll never take our free parking. We shall not be moved. (laughs) If they're yuppies, doesn't that mean that they can afford the parking? (laughs) Well, of course, the secret here is the people that park in those car parking spaces are almost always the shopkeeper and their employees. <laughs> yes. So it's really their inconvenience. Of course, the other issue is that whenever you bring Hitler into the argument, it's time to stop. That's and right. I wonder whether comparing the social movement for parking spaces really does reflect an Arab spring. Yes, it's kind of the department of uh, overreacting a little bit, isn't it? Mm. And this notion that if in any way I'm disadvantaged, the world comes to an end. They mentioned here that um, the metres have uh, deterred people from parking and shopping at nearby small businesses. I'd like to see some research about that because why do we have metres? David, let's remind people it's about turnover. It's to ensure 
that the shopping that the car parks are available for shoppers to use. If someone just there's no meters there, then it's much harder to get people to actually leave the car parking space. You get people who park there all day, who'll move the car several times um, because they're parking for work. And uh, the meter is really about helping to support the businesses that rely on that car parking. Brian, you have a story, I think. Bournemouth Bus Station in the UK believes they have a problem with what they call rough sleeping. It's not where you sort of throw yourself around on the bed. It's it's about not having a home, being homeless and needing to sleep uh, in the bus station as the only sort of warm and dry place there is. And um, they've recently started to deter these rough sleepers by uh, playing the music of Alvin and the Chipmunks, that uh, incredibly annoying animated American uh, squeaky-voiced family. They sound uh, a bit like they're singing under the influence of helium, uh, not hydrogen, as your um, your car would be, Errol. Uh, but <laughs> interestingly, Bournemouth, uh, it's not the first time they've done this because last year they were in the papers by playing bagpipe music to deter the same rough sleepers. I, I wonder if, they're, if they obviously haven't yet found the sort of sweet spot or may, perhaps the, the bagpipes caused a lot of Scottish sort of homeless people to start sleeping in the bus station. Mm, mm. I think they've got it wrong. The issue is not playing a bad song. It's playing any song over and over and over again. Mm. If you play the chipmunks, you offend everybody, even those who are queuing up to get on a bus. Travellers. Mm. But as if you play a reasonable song once, you listen to it once or twice, that's okay. There's been a couple of people that have done things. They've gone into a jukebox in a cafe when they were available and put enough money in and pressed the play button for one song 20 times. <laughs> now, there was one where they had Tom Jones singing What's New Pussycat, <laughs> right? And they did it seven times. Then they put him, him in singing It's Not Unusual. Then they went to back to What's New Pussycat. And eventually they just watched people leave. <laughs> Well, look, residents of Bournemouth said they they found these uh, tactics to be cruel and inhumane and mm. compared it to uh, torture at Guantanamo Bay, talking of the Arab Spring <laughs> and overreacting. I wonder what the perfect music is, because we've discussed in the past uh, playing classical music to discourage right. teenagers, because they had and that what stuff about that sort the parents of, uh, Perry Como. Perry Como was popular for a while, I think, to discourage teenagers. Barry Manilow, wouldn't that there'd be another one? Mm, I guess they could perhaps provide somewhere safe for uh, the homeless to sleep rather than just driving them out. There's an idea. Do you drive them out to where? That's exactly right. As long as they're not in the bus station, nobody seems to care. Yes. Maybe they could use one of the buses. That's a lovely idea. But look, that happens uh, now, Errol. People do ride buses and trains throughout the night to find, have somewhere warm to sleep. It's a sad state of affairs. Errol, one more story. Well, if you've ever thought you could bribe your way out of a traffic offence, apparently Italy is the place to do it. Just don't take it too seriously and you might just get away with it. Apparently, due to the very specific way in which Italian corruption laws are written... No surprises there, really. A man who offered 100 euros to, to a cop to get out of a drunk driving charge apparently wasn't offering him enough money for it to be considered a crime and has had his bribery charges dropped by the High Court. He still copped a drink driving charge, though. Only in Italy could this happen. 
<laughs> Who reported this attempt and why? Were they trying to find the actual line in the sand where... I think maybe the cop was insulted that he, he was only offered 100 euros for this guy to get away with it, so he then arrested him for bribery. Yes, that's my point. It wasn't enough. Does that mean that all the other bribes that are bigger than that are not being reported? <laughs> that's a, an interesting wrinkle on it there, David. What if he was only a little bit drunk? What if he... Couldn't he go to the same judge and say, look... You know, I was only, it wasn't much of a bribe, but I was only not very drunk. So he let me off on that basis. Being not of sound mind because he was drunk was part of their defence, I believe. So basically he was drunk, which means he wasn't in a sound state to offer a correct kind of bribe. <laughs> Is that how it works? So if I was sober... I would have got hauled before the courts and would have been convicted before the no, courts. No, I think, are they saying that if you were sober, you would have offered, offered him at least 150 euros and he would, you would have got away with it? Well, certainly you could get a fine between 380 and 4,700 euros. So you've really got to, I mean, money talks clearly in this, uh, in this instance. Mm. Mm. Don't insult your local police, I think, is the message here. Mm. Oh, insult by not... In offering them a bribe isn't the insult, it's offering them a small bribe. Only in Italy, of course, we have nothing but respect for our fine people uh, in law enforcement here in Australia. Well, here on Overdrive, no small bribes will be accepted. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, let's work with those definitions. Gentlemen, as always, thank you very much for your time. Thank, thank you, David. David. Brian Smith and Errol Smith giving a more quirky view on stories to do with motoring and transport.